0: Sunday night, seven o'clock time for another edition of the sports phone. The second sports phone, uh, or excuse me, second Sunday edition of the sports phone, Jerry in Oregon, Jim in the studio, Jim, we're, I know we're only two weeks into it. Uh, and I guess we're like we're one weekend and just about to start the second week. Uh, are you used to it yet? Like it worse? less? How, how, do, how are you feeling after a week and just getting started with uh, no, week number two, uh, doing this on Sunday night?
1: I don't know if I'm just one that, that, wants to make whatever I'm doing perfect or I want it to be the best. I don't know. All I know is I have enjoyed having the whole day to myself on Sunday, thinking about the sports phone, driving twenty five minutes, stopping at Lemon's Market, coming in here after a day off, and then going home, I, I'm I think I like it better than working an eight hour day and driving here straight from Fort Brad Clinic. It's I, I think I'm liking it better. How about you?
0: I think for me, the big change has been, and we've talked about this off the air. This is now the start, or excuse me, this is now the end of my weekend as opposed (laughs) to the start of my weekend kind of mentally with the sports phone. It was do it on Friday night, finish, crack open a a seltzer cider, and then, you know, enjoy, enjoy the weekend. Now, you know, it's okay. I'm out of, I'm out of the sports phone. I got to get my desk ready for work the next morning and then kind of go from there. So it's, it's, uh, it's different, but, but I like it. I, I I enjoy it. I think it's a little bit less uh, stressful for both of us, you know, with me not having to work the same day, things like that. One, th- uh, one
1: know, thing I did that. notice last week is there was, well. the, last week, there was a great combination, I thought, of, of voices I recognized, you know, Dr. Patty, Vince, uh, and and some of the others. We don't know their names, but we recognize their voices, and... A good combination of people I've never heard before. So, Sunday night may bring us some new new listeners. Who's Who's to say? I don't know. Yeah, Um, yeah, we'll see. Well, tell Uh, tell us about
0: everybody to the sports phone. So, if you are new to this show, let me give you a little breakdown of what's going to be going on for the next uh, hour and change. Um, Jim and I are sports fans. We are sports fans. We are former players. We are both coaches. Uh, One currently, another a former coach. Um, we just love sports. We talk about sports throughout the week and we like to spend this hour every week uh, opening up the phone lines to the listening area or the listening community on KZYX and giving you the opportunity to talk about sports. What that means is it can be anything. As long as it is in the world of sports, Jim and I are willing to talk about it and hear about it. That can be professional sports, college sports, high school sports, youth sports, rec league, wherever it is in the world. It doesn't matter to us. As long as it is connected to sports in some way, Jim and I want to hear about it and we want to talk about it. So we look forward to opening up the phone lines and talking sports with you all, the listening base, as we get rolling here. But to get us started, we have a guest for the week. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm excited. I didn't know we were going to have this guest until maybe an hour and a half ago, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Yeah, I'll I'll leave it at that. Uh, Jim, I'll I'll let you take it away from there, but I'm, I'm excited for this one.
1: Jerry explained uh, a little bit about who we have on tonight. Just one of his explanation is he, uh, Jerry and I talk sports, we play sports, we coach sports, we uh, all that. This um, gentleman we have here tonight. Uh, I brought him on because he's a brand new coach, and we decided today, we, we were on the show, we were going to do doing a feature coaches, and I'll get a little bit more into that later, Jer, but right now, we have Matt Winslow on the line. He is a first-time JV coach at Mendocino High School. He went to Mendocino High School. He played, oh, geez, Matt, you can correct me here once I, I turn it over to you, but is there a sport that you didn't play in Mendocino High School? Did, did you do track and field and all, all those sports besides football, basketball, baseball, whatever else they had to offer? This is Matt Winslow. Are you there, Matt?
2: Yeah, I'm here. So, first off, thank you guys for having me. And just a little aggression. i I practiced with the track and field. I never actually played, competed in track and field, but I was... On the field slash court for lacrosse,
0: basketball, baseball, football, and soccer. <laughs> well, ba- baseball uh, the one I remember you dislike. I-, I don't remember the, any of the context for this. I, I know that you obviously was when I was when you were younger than me. I just remember you sneaking into baseball for like was it one year that just you kind of randomly were on the baseball team and I didn't even realize it. Like, you just all it, it was about heard you were on the team.
2: It was about half a season. I after lacrosse ended, I had a bunch of friends right, on the baseball team, and they convinced me to join. Perfectly honest, I was not very good at it at that point. I hadn't played in many years, but I was good at stealing bases.
1: I coached you in Little League, Matt. I, I was your baseball coach in Little League. Well, oh, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a step back. I was your your coach in minor league, maybe not in majors. Did you even play majors in Little League?
2: I played one year of majors, The funny story about that minor league team, I was over at my assistant coach, West Preston's house for Thanksgiving, uh-huh. and we found a baseball signed by everyone on that Cubs team that you coached.
1: Wow. Wow. <laughs> I love it. Jeez. Oh. So, <clears throat> I, I want to get right into some, something here, and then, Gerald, I'll let you follow up with Matt, but... The reason I thought of Matt tonight is after we decided we wanted to t- try to talk about coaches tonight is Matt is approximately twenty-nine years old, just like you, Jerry. You, you say Matt's younger than you, but the older both of you get, the more you can realize you're the same age. One, one
0: grade, one, one,
1: <laughs> one grade. <clears throat> yeah, you're both thirty, basically, and yeah, sure. <laughs> close. And you're both coaching, and you're both you both have. You know, when I started coaching, I had been a chiropractor for 20 years. Uh, my 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 career was set. I took those two hours. I scheduled off my own self-employed schedule. But here you are, you and Matt, you're working on your careers. Matt's working, I, I think, a law career right now. Jerry, you're doing what you do up there in Portland. Why, Matt, I'll start with you. 29 years, 30 years old, you're... You've told me you're going back to graduate school eventually. Why are you spending two hours a day and doing uh, 10-hour road trips to Covalo? While, uh, why are you doing that?
2: Well, it comes down to two main reasons. Number one, I love basketball.
1: Uh-huh. It's
2: as simple as that. And getting to be involved in it again and getting to share my love of the game with these amazing kids on my team that's enough in itself. But then there's also the part where, when I look back on my childhood, outside of like my parents, my family, my biggest influences were my coaches. And I was blessed enough to have, for the most part, absolutely incredible coaches who taught me about so much more than the sport they were coaching me at. Just about life in general and the value of hard work and just all of that, like, and to be able to pass that on to the next generation in my community, it's an opportunity I couldn't pass up.
1: And, Jared, uh, before you before – I'm going to do this in this fashion right now because this is just too interesting to me. Is that the same reason you're now spending two to three hours a day coaching? I had, I had such a more –
0: non-philosophical answer to that to that question like when you when you posed it my brain couldn't have my answer was going to be because i have time that that was the thing that was holding i, I guess I, I i looked at it as like i i looked at your question as why get into coaching now and my answer to that was oh. because i finally have time to do it i hadn't thought about the question the way what you were actually asking was why did you want to get back into
1: that's what I want to know. Cause,
0: yeah, yeah, because I, I, Matt started talking, and I just saw myself going, my answer was just I finally have a work schedule that allows me to do it. Um, no, I, I, for me, I, I think it's very similar to Matt. Um, I, I, I found when I got into college, I kind of, I, the skill level of bat, of the game caught up to me in college, and so I think that was kind of the the pivot for me was, okay, how can I be involved with this team even though I'm not going to play, and and coaching was kind of the the avenue that I had available to me in college, and then huh. from there, it, it was just something I, I always wanted to be involved with because I think it's it's tough being a fan. And I think, I think all three of us can get that. Like it's, it's really tough to not, to just watch a game and not be able to, in some form have some like control, not control, but have some sort of impact over the outcome. So for me, it was, I I always looked at it as the way to stay involved after I was done playing. Um, Not to say I didn't have, you know, great experience with coaches and, and understand that, you know, and agree with it. It's, it, it not, not to say. I guess not to say I don't agree with everything Matt said because I do. For me, it was just a little bit more about this is the way to continue to stay involved hmm. and with beyond just being a fan. Now that I'm not playing, it.
1: it's funny you've almost said. I even dumb it down even more, Matt. And I coached for 17 years at Mendocino High School. Because I wanted to see every one of Jerry's games, and I had no interest in sitting in the stands with the parents. So I sat on the bench with the kids, as you know, Matt, and you know, Jerry. And that's where I wanted i wanted to be involved, and I did not want to be watching from the stands. Uh, the rest of the, you know, I played enough basketball um, at a lot of levels, so I felt I had something to offer as well. So I, th- I think we're all, I think... I think you answered, Matt. And then, Jared, why don't you take it from here? I think Matt's answer basically is why a lot of people coach. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, Well, I I guess the obvious follow-up question to that is, and and Matt, we can can trade notes at some point, whether it's on the air or, or afterwards. You're a couple of weeks into this, uh, overwhelmed. Exactly what you had expected it to be. What, after after a couple of weeks, how, how do you feel about this decision? Do you, as, as the as my assistant put it, after our last practice before Thanksgiving break, he came up to me and said, "Do you regret this yet?" And <laughs> as, as a joke, so I guess so. I guess a couple weeks in, Matt, how are you feeling about it?
2: Well, I definitely do not regret it. That's Good. without yeah. a question.
1: Good.
2: I yeah. it's so I coached As an assistant with Jim for a season, but as an assistant and as the head coach, it's a totally different experience. And there's definitely aspects of it that I guess I wasn't, I'm not even going to say like I'm not able to do it, but I wasn't fully ready for just... Mm fully the level of like not even the practice, the games, that stuff is good. It's all the other little things that are necessary that have been like I guess I'd say a little bit of a a, a bit of a surprise to me, I guess I would say. You... But from the basket the pure basketball end of it, the working with these amazing kids I've got on my team who are just so into it and such hard workers that aspect of it, I could not have asked for anything better. Like they make it easy, they make it enjoyable for me.
1: When we were doing our little warm up, um, were you surprised um, at the at the level of ninth grade players in in Mendocino? Because you, you you had said you thought you were teaching drills that. I taught you guys when you were in second, third, fourth grade in a, in a rec league situation. H- how is the skill level overall for a ninth for a fourteen year old, thirteen year old kid in Mendo?
2: So we've got a lot of very talented players and even more hard workers. I think a really important thing to remember for this season, especially is all of the kids just missed an entire year of basketball, a year of, even if they were practicing a year of being on the court, being in games, because there was no basketball due to COVID. So So some
1: of them were starting then.
2: It's like, there's the teaching the skills, but there's also the reminding of the skills, like going Mm. back to the basics before we try and get too advanced on what we're doing. Mm. Because like, I can't even fathom not having my eighth grade season, not having my freshman year season when I was in high school. And these kids missed all of that and have to kind of like almost fully restart after just no sports for a year and a half. And so like, that's the thing that I was getting at earlier about like the work ethic of the kids on my team it's incredible to go from no sports, nothing at all, no athletics, nothing pushing you like that the way sports do, and to be able to get out on the court and work
0: as hard as they do. It's incredible. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's funny because we had the same conversations as a coaching staff up here at West Lynn where I remember it was after the – like third or fourth practice, we kind of got together, as like for the younger groups, so for the, the freshmen and sophomores, we have got to almost re-drill, you know, basic stuff, like jump stop and shell drill, like basic defensive things. And one of the coaches just had to remind us, and I, I don't remember which, who it was, but he said, most of these kids that are trying out didn't play at all last year. And that was something that I hadn't really even thought about. And, yeah, I, I think it's, 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 you know, that's one of those things that it doesn't matter big or little school, uh, yeah, we, a bunch of kids missed a year, and it's. it's but, but as Matt said, the enthusiasm's there, and, and everyone is uh, is wanting to, to get involved, which which is great. Uh, so, Matt, you got a game coming up, right? Next, coming up on Tuesday. Yeah, it's our first
2: home game of the season. We've had two away games so far against much bigger schools, and I couldn't be more hyped enthusiastic about how the kids played in those games. we lost both, but the kids played so incredibly hard and from the first quarter of our first game in Willet to the fourth quarter of our second game, which was at a school called Credo in Roert Park, San Rosa area, the improvement has been unbelievable like, And I would put that on the kids, not on me, not on my assistant coach. That is on them and their work ethic and how hard they play. And so I'm really excited for our first home game. We're playing Calistoga at 4 p.m. in the Mendo Gym, first home game for everyone on my team. It's their first high school home game.
1: Wow, including the two coaches. I think
2: it's going to be a
1: good time. (laughs) All right. Um, I'm going to go first. We each get about a minute or two here. The coach that influenced my life was my college coach more than any other coach. And it happened to be in basketball. I had a great little league coach too. But um, I had a college basketball coach. I still don't know how he did it. It was my goal for the rest of my coaching career all 17 years is what can I do to let someone be themselves and get all their talent out of them as an individual? My job as a coach, I always said, was to fit that skill in with the rest of the team my coach had a way of doing that my coach in college got a lot of talent out of me got a lot of skills out of me and he figured out a way to fit in that way he wasn't a nice guy but that's what he did for me and from there i went college i went professional and and basketball changed my life because of that coach uh matt you're next what, what's your coaching story or or, or two
2: so I've been blessed to, through my high school and college career as an athlete, I've had some amazing coaches, and I'll start, like, I'm just going to give them all a quick shout out before I yep. get into my coaching philosophy in that regard. Yep. J- Jonathan Shepard, who taught <laughs> soccer camps and then was my high school soccer coach. You, Jim Young, as my basketball coach through middle school and high school as well as Warren Lewis in middle school, and then Adam Strupp and Tobin Hahn as my lacrosse coaches in high school. Mm. Like, every single one of you just made an incredible impact on my life. And what I feel like me trying to take all of those influences into my philosophy as a coach, I feel like it's really important to learn how each kid works, because everyone's different. And to take, like, learn how to coach that individual, not just the team as a whole, not assume everyone's going to be the same. Some kids you got to be a little harder on, some you have to be a little more supportive to. And it's about helping find, helping that individual, helping the kid on the team find the way that they can be the best possible versions of themselves, not only on the basketball court, but just in life in general and just being another positive, supportive influence in their lives as, like, think about all the changes we go through through high school age. Like, things aren't easy when you're that age, no matter how good you've got it. And so to really just support each individual athlete, figure out their goals, and help them achieve them, and try and teach them the value of hard work and what you can like seeing the results of your hard work and just getting to the best possible version they can be as well as in my case right now as a JV coach preparing the ones who truly want to be elite varsity athletes getting them to that point where they can do that.
1: jared what about you? I'm I'm assuming your college coach you talk about him a lot.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I guess I, I look at it from two avenues. Like, yeah. I, I have like the pure basketball stuff, and then I have kind of the more coached like the coach is a life kind of guy yeah. side of things. Um, from a pure basketball standpoint, I would still say it's it's Tim Anderson, who's a regular guest on on yep. the show. And I think for the, for me, the reason I, I, I Tim is the one that always stands out for me. Who's for, for listeners that don't know that name. He's the current varsity girls coach in Fort Bragg and was the varsity boys coach in Fort Bragg for a long time before that. Uh, he rounded out my understanding of basketball when I was when I was getting into the game in, in a way that I just didn't know existed, where just the, the emphasis that he put on different elements of the game than my other coaches had and the way he did it, I just had never experienced that. And, and his expectations around how he expected basketball to be played I think really kind of gave me a better understanding for the game as a whole especially on, on the defensive end um, and then my college basketball coach Larry Doty I think he was the ultimate life coach that wasn't just basketball I mean I, I talk to him all the time whether it be basketball or not I, I think he he was the ultimate like he was Everything about him was was about getting people ready for after college, as much as it was, you know, basketball related stuff. His life mm. lessons and just the way he talked at practice—it was all about, you know, stuff beyond just just basketball. So I think those are the two that stand out. And Jim, you're close second in both.
2: Just to make you just show you there,
0: you're the close second, Jim. You're close second in both.
1: <laughs> I'll take I'll take second place. I mean, I, I wore you down. I coached you from. I coach your basketball right. skills, Jer, from 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 age three till age eighteen, almost every day. <clears throat> and um, I never thought I was um, a big team coach. I was coaching individuals and, and letting them figure out how they could fit on on their team. Matt, we've got to we've got to end this. I really appreciate you 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 talking to yeah, us from a great. coach's standpoint. Can um, I
2: just jump in <clears> and say one more thing, really quickly? Go. I just want to mention that, like, a big thing that I got from you personally was the willingness to put the extra time in with the kids who wanted it. Yeah. The willing to take extra time out of your schedule. Like, for me personally, I remember all the one-on-ones we did because I wanted to keep getting better after practice, before practice, on a random Saturday morning. Like, that's a big thing that I try and, like, I try to do that with the kids on my team for the ones who want it, and I really appreciate that you did that for me.
1: Thanks, Matt. And I, I'm going to give both of you two young coaches one bit of advice, and then we're going to move on here. And that is when you're teaching basketball, and now, now in, in this day and age, it's the me, me, me. It's the one-on-one Every aspect of the game is just as important as the others. And if you can get uh, your leading scorer to understand the person that is diving on the floor is just as important as a person scoring the points and getting the rebounds and making the pass, you're going to have a team that, that will play to its potential. I'm going to leave that to the young coaches of, of the world. That's not an easy thing to do. Thanks, Matt.
2: Uh, thank you, Jim. Thank you, Jerry. I really appreciate you guys having me, and I love the show. And I hope you can make it to the game on Tuesday. And I hope everyone listening can because these kids are working so hard. Come out and support them. It's going to be a fun
0: time. Matt, what time is what time is the game? I don't think I don't
1: think we ever asked. Four have a o'clock. Four o'clock. Mendocino High School. The JV boys. I yeah. imagine there's a, a varsity girls at five thirty and a varsity boys at seven.
2: Exactly.
1: All right. Thanks, Matt. So there you go, Jer. Brand-new coach just like you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, brand-new coach. Start off in the same year. I love it. I love it. Well, like I said, we're going to we're gonna have to swap notes. Some hey, do you know if the 907 707-89
1: oh. – Do you know if the – Go ahead, Jer. Give the phone numbers out.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. Phone number to call if you want to talk about sports, 707-895-2448, 707-895-2448. Give us a ring if you want to call in and talk about sports. Anything going on in the world of sports, anything that is on your mind, give us a call if you want to chat about it. Go ahead.
1: Well, I I would like to hear from people. I asked for this last week, and we got it. We were talking to Tim Anderson, and you were talking about having to cut 27 kids, and I was talking about having to cut two kids in 17 years. And um, we got people calling up and telling their stories about being cut and how some, some of them had helped them in life. Now I'd like to know if people could call in and tell us about the coaches that influenced you and how, well, what is your coach's story? What coach, um, you know, helped you along the the way of, of your life. That's what I'd like to hear in the meantime, 707-895-2448. You can call and ask us anything. Um, anyone's willing to call about anything in the world of sports. Jer, we, we missed it last week. How about this day in sports?
0: Yeah, yeah, we got to get back on our regular, regularly uh, scheduled programming here. Um, so I didn't have to scroll very far for this one. Uh, I went with uh, November 28th in 1895. 1895. The, and this is one of those ones where I'm curious how they define this as the first organized auto race that was put on by the Chicago Times-Herald. Um, I'm curious, like, if, if there were other races that were not organized... Or, I, it's one of those ones where I always have trouble believing that there wasn't some time before this when a vehicle or two vehicles did not compete to get from point A to point B. Uh, <laughs> one faster than the other. But regardless, this is listed as the first organized auto race. Uh, it was from Chicago, Illinois to Evanston, Illinois. There were six huh. and back, so it was a loop. Uh, six cars, 55 miles... The thing that I thought was really interesting about this was the average that the winner, Frank Durya, I believe is how it's pronounced, uh, the average speed of the vehicle was seven miles an hour. And for some comparisons, because I thought that this was interesting for context, if you want to jump ahead to modern day auto racing, the average top speeds of a NASCAR race is 200 miles an hour. Oh, the geez. average top speed of Indy cars is 236 miles an hour. So uh, vehicles have come uh, quite a long way. Uh, also, little I also had like other little nuggets just about. Like, so again, in comparison, the average uh, speed of a horse in a horse race is about 40 to 44 miles an hour. Bikes go roughly 13 and a half, or excuse me, 25 to 28 on flat ground for elite cyclists. And then uh, elite runners can go about 26 miles an hour. So all of that significantly faster than the seven miles an hour in 1895 for the first auto race.
1: Do you think a, a trained, how, how, what was the distance? 55 miles an hour? 55?
0: 55 miles, yeah.
1: Do you think someone could have beat him on foot, a good trained distance runner?
0: Uh, that's a really
1: good question. That's why a long dist It's a long, j- long distance, though.
0: Yeah, go go ahead and uh, Jim, not you go ahead and pick yours out or talk, tell, give right. yours, and then uh, then I'll I'll give some I'll give some other nuggets here. Um,
1: nineteen twenty nine. This day, November twenty eighth, nineteen twenty nine. Ernie Nevin's. I thought this. Uh, he scored more points in an NFL game than anyone's ever scored before but the interesting part about it that oh this was for Chicago by the way I, I'm assuming even in 1929 it was the Chicago Bears now we know we got the z-man and we got the dr Patty who were from from Chicago to call the, the show very very often I want to know if, if <laughs> Ernie Nevins is a household name there uh, in Chicago, in 1929, he scored all 40 points of a football game. He scored four, six touchdowns and four points after touchdown. All 40 points. So that that that's an oh, interest. That's an interesting stat. So you know, is, is he is he famous in Chicago? How could he not be? You know? I don't know.
0: I, I would imagine so. I think I think that also goes to again, you know, that's that's before there was a lot of you know specialty in in, in a sport like that.
1: Have you ever heard like of it was, him?
0: Uh, you know, and when you're scoring the touchdown. I, I don't recognize the name offhand, no.
1: Ernie Nevins. All right. Um, so
0: I got another one. I, I think the <laughs> I think the answer to your question is I think the runner would have over the entire 55 miles, I think would have lost. I, it seems like the little bit of numbers I, I was I was finding there, it, the runner could have competed for the for the first half of the race. If you go about like what an average, what a marathon distance is, yeah, but it, yeah. when you go into that second half, it's it's hard to say.
1: Um, yeah, I, I, I was sort of joking. But, I, uh, I'm not sure anyone could last that long. You know. Yeah. F- yeah. I, I doubt it. Alright, so that's... A, I had another one, 1974, November 28th. Um, and this is interesting, because I'm going to put it out there to the listeners, too. I don't know how many people are listening tonight, but I'd like to know um, why George Brenner, Steinbrenner got suspended for two years as an owner of the Yankees in 1974, on this day, November 28th. The... Uh, somebody Kuhn, suspended George Steinbrenner the owner of the Yankees for 2 years and my my question is how does an owner get suspended why
0: what what years was he suspended for uh
1: 1974 uh this oh, day sure. he was suspended you got the answer to that one Jerry without me uh, having to stall here
0: uh, yeah, he was suspended for two years after he pleaded guilty to making illegal campaign contributions to Richard Nixon.
1: <laughs> so, there you go. He, he was suspended two years from baseball for making illegal. And then soon after Russia. that, it was, it was soon after that that Nixon quit, by the way. Or maybe sure. Nixon, no, Nixon quit in 1972, so he, they must have just found out after, after Nixon got busted and quit, they must have found out Steinbrenner was involved in 1974. Huh. That's the only thing to make.
0: Yeah, he was, he, was re- he was reinstated into baseball in 1976 and was pardoned by President Reagan not too long after that. So there's your, there's your answer to that question. <laughs> 707-895-2448, give us a rate if you've got anything want to talk about going on in the world of sports 707-895-2448 again can be anything going on in the world of sports can be professional high school college rec league issues topics concerns whatever you want to talk about give us a call 707-895-2448
1: you got anything else to say about our current topic here um we talked about our coaches that affected us We talked a little bit about um, what the role of coaches were by talking to Matt Winslow. Um, uh, You got anything else with about coaching, Jerry? Should we just wait and see if we get some calls about it?
0: I I think if we get a call, we it'll probably like you know stir up something else that or you know make spark something else that I was thinking about. But I don't think I have anything else really to add to it i, I just just to kind of go back I, I always looked at it as like these two different things and not necessarily you know was the same coach for everything where i have the stuff that was influential to me from a basketball standpoint and then influential to me from just the 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 larger picture of you know a coach being you know a role model and someone sure. that you know can you know help through life stuff and, and things like that i of always I looked at it in two different ways um, but I, I, the only other thing I would say before we move on, and I kind of joked about this, it was a nice reminder uh, to hear, you know, we're doing the even at a big school, like I'm coaching at, we're doing some of the same stuff that's Matt, that Matt is doing. We've got to, you know, teach kids to come to a jump stop and, and, and those types of things. So it doesn't matter what level or what size of school, is, some things are just universal when it comes to coaching. I think it's certain level.
1: We're at 707-895-2448. Give a call to the sports phone. Tell us what you got going in the world world of sports. Go ahead, Jer.
0: So, so this is something that I feel like we've had this on the like the two talk about list for a whole long time. Uh, but for a very long time. Like this story is is from July, but it's it's one of those things I think it, it doesn't really have a a. Uh, like a, a, a time element to it, so I think it's. I think it's. It's something that we might enjoy talking about a little bit because I think it's, it's a really interesting topic. It's, it's interesting how these things are handled and, at the professional sports level and, and things like that. So, back in July, uh, the NHL, the National Hockey League, held its expansion draft for the Seattle Kraken, which at the time were the new uh, NHL team that were that was joining the National Hockey League. Uh, in Seattle, the Kraken, they're, they're a new team. They're, they're having their year this year. Um, but what I thought was really interesting about this and why Jim and I have kept this on the list for so long was it was the first time we had really dove into what the process is for an expansion league, uh, for a new team joining a professional sports league. And I, th- I thought there were a lot of interesting things about how this was handled. So, um, Jim, we can kind of start. There. was there was there anything uh, that kind of stood out uh like when back when we originally talked about this that kind of made you think yeah let's let's talk about this at some point well we it, was,
1: it, it was interesting I mean it's such a big ordeal I mean yeah. in the fall of sports love it or or hate it it's it's big money in in sports owning teams are very expensive I mean everything it takes an arena the travel the, the salaries the the doctors, the coaches, I mean, the, the amount of people it takes to be competitive. <clears throat> and it just struck me. I never really thought about it until you brought it up. Um, and it really didn't matter that it was a, an NHL team in, what was it, Seattle, right? Or Portland? Seattle, right?
0: Uh, Seattle. Seattle.
1: Seattle uh, the Seattle Kraken, a new NHL team. Um, what, what got me right off the bat was, how do you find the players? I mean, that's what i first saw <laughs> right. so you, you went okay, okay we're gonna have a pro basketball team in fort bragg california who's gonna play i mean it's it's and where, where do the players come yep. from That the, the and and it turns out i made you do the research and it turns out they all have a similar process i would like to say
0: yeah yeah every every league has a very similar process um for a little bit of of extra background before we dive into this, I, I thought it'd be interesting to kind of talk about the most recent expansions in in the various sports, because um, because I think this was something one of the questions Jim and I had, one of the questions that I, I guess I really had, Jim's was, you know, how does the team get picked? One of the questions I had was, how often does this happen? Um, so. Major League Baseball, the last expansion, was 1998. That was when the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, who are now known as the Tampa Bay Rays, they joined professional baseball. Um, the last one in the NBA is a little bit weird uh, because it's, it's technically 2002 when the New Orleans Hornets uh, came into the league, but there's also 2004 when the Charlotte Bobcats became the Charlotte Hornets. So there's a little bit of stuff there, but yep. from 2002 to 2004, that's kind of the most recent one there. And then the NFL was in 2002 when the Houston Texans joined the league. And then Major League Soccer actually has three more expansions planned over the next three years. They have one team planning to join each of the next three years. So this is something that all pro sports uh, leagues look at constantly is is, the the ability to expand and add
1: more markets. So I still say, how, how do they pick the players?
0: Yeah. So... As I mentioned, uh, this is done through a process known as an expansion draft. Um, for the sake of simplicity I'm I, and, and kind of the, the, the information that I have immediately available, I'm going to talk about it in the context of how the NHL did it for the Seattle Kraken. Um, but the general idea of, of what I'm going to explain um Goes forward for all professional sports teams. Um, so basically, the way the way that it works is um, the, the the new team has the ability to select players off of the pre existing team. So basically, the Kraken could take players to fill out their roster. Um, from the other teams in the league,
1: uh, <laughs> so they can't just say with the salary. They can't just say, "Hey, LeBron, I'll right, take right. I'll take LeBron."
0: No, 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 no. I was and I was getting to that. So, okay. so they, they're obviously they have to take into account salaries. They have to do all these different things, um, but they have to take they had to take at least one player uh, from each existing club. The existing teams where they come into it is they have the ability. To protect a certain number of players on their team, so if and basically it was it was essentially ten players. There were different combinations in hockey about like if they could be skaters, defensemen, goalies, those types of things. But you basically had the ability to protect any player you would want up to a certain number, basically preventing them from being drafted by the new team in the expansion draft. And it opens up all these different strategies. How does the new, who do you protect? How does the new team go about who they want to pick? All those types of things. Um, Jim, do you remember anything about kind of your initial reaction to this when I first explained how it worked? Like how the the, the new team gets to pick players and kind of how it's presented to the existing teams, like how they go about protecting players. kind of any of your reactions. It's a
1: little different. than than i thought i thought players put up who they wanted to get rid of and send somebody to the expansion where it's the other way around they protect some of their players and the expansion team then can choose from what's left over that's my understanding and and that's what i didn't um I didn't really understand the difference of those two until you explained it. I thought it's a pretty pretty fair method. From my experience, I was a little kid, I don't know how old I was, maybe three, four, or five when I was lived in New York when I grew up, and the Mets started. And the Mets were an expansion team. And um, the Mets lost for years and years and years. So I assumed any expansion team usually lost for a while because they didn't get really the cream of the crop. 707 895 2448. Give us a call if you want to talk about sports. I still like to hear uh, what um, what you uh, what coaching stories you have. If you have any in- insight on this expansion draft, we're talking about dra- drafting a brand new um, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball teams. How that all works, uh, but yeah, Jer, I I just think it just sounds so overwhelming. How long does it take from inception to? Um, to to from inception to um to till they're they're in the league playing in a schedule.
0: I I would imagine there's a there's a fair amount of planning that goes into this, and and the only reason I say that is looking at like a sport like Major League Soccer where I, they have expansions planned for 2021, 2022, and 2023 already, so. I, I would imagine that this is somewhat planned ahead. It is it isn't something like, you know, they put together at the last second. I think like major league baseball right now is, is very actively exploring an expansion and looking for a new place to play. Vegas is on the table, Portland has been floating around there. So I, I think that this is something that does not happen overnight. I, I think it's it's something that you have to put some some time and thought. Into.
1: Hello, Cole, you're on the air
0: hello
3: youngs Anderson here
1: Tim Anderson
3: hey Tim howdy howdy how would uh, your second week go there on the coaching ranks mr. young
0: Whew, we're getting there we uh, we're, we're uh, basically I, I think the the numbers are set but we still don't know who's playing on what team that's well that's not, not for everybody but I think that's kind of where we stand is there's some 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 guys on the bubble just in terms of where they're going to play. That are that are still being worked out. Okay, okay.
3: We played our first yeah. game yesterday in two years up at Fortuna. It was wow. pretty exciting and didn't have to wear masks even.
1: Wow. So this is Tim Anderson. He's the girls' varsity coach this year in Fort Bragg. He coached the boys' varsity for I think I think we decided last week for what seventy nine years something like that. <laughs> and and Tim, uh, you had said you missed part of the sh- the show. Um, we talked to a first year coach today Matt Winslow who you know very well and um, he was just explaining how exciting he was to be a coach and how coaches have it affected his life it was very interesting
3: yes I, I think when when competition is is done correctly um, you know it's fair and it's um, well thought out and planned and executed that it is, a wonderful thing, and I, I would venture to say that many of my life lessons and work ethic, um, besides parents, uh, you know, stem from my my coaches and their ability to uh, instill a desire to please and achieve and work together. Um, I, I had. Um, really good coaches going up through the ranks from elementary basketball with guys that really knew their business, uh, Dave Wood and Jim Mayhew, um, up through middle school. I had a very good uh, eighth grade coach, uh, John Smith, I believe his name was, and then at the high school level, um, you know, even more solid with with Clint Bainbridge. Um, who re- recently passed and had the floor named after him at South Fork. Um, ah. Pretty special man. And Rich Givens was a wonderful mentor and coach as well.
1: All your high school coaches and middle school coaches were from Humboldt?
0: Yep.
3: Wow. Yep.
1: What do you got? Uh,
0: well, well no, Tim, I was just going to ask, did you have anything specific you wanted to call in and talk about or were you just uh, calling to say hello? Anything, anything on your mind? That, uh, that you wanted to unpack today? <laughs> uh,
3: no, not not particularly. I just uh, you know the uh, coaching is, is something that I think um, is there. There are more and more issues that pop up with parents and transportation and this and that, and it's it's getting more and more of a of a thankless job. And so, <laughs> if I could give a shout out to some people that um, were super solid in my life uh, and and give coaches um, some credo and some some quality pub. You know, most of them are, are in it for the right reasons and to try to teach and mentor. Um, and uh, that uh, it, it it goes a long way in the use of our community um, to, to, to make people
0: uh, better citizens. So, okay, I like it. That's that's I like I like everything there. Uh, I actually just thought of a question, and I think this is a question for all of us because I think we might have different answers or, or different experiences with it. I'm ready, um, and I'll, I'll set the table for it. And then, I'll, then I think Tim, let's, let's let Tim go first on this. So, all right. one of the things, Tim, you had asked about, uh, you know, how's everything going on my end? I said we're still trying to figure out where certain players are going to play in terms of what team they're going to be on. One of the things that has held that from happening has been. Uh, we have been waiting to get a good look at about a, a, at a good chunk of players because we've been waiting for the football season. to end. Yeah. In um, there, done and, that. And it did it, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, it, and it, <laughs> it just did over the weekend, Westland lost in the, the state semifinals. Um, so tomorrow's going to be the first time we get a good look at some players that, you know, we've only gotten to see one or two days so far because of their football schedule and, and practicing. and, when that happened, when I first heard that this was going to be a thing, I just assumed, for whatever reason, that at a really big high school, the basketball players played basketball, the football guys played football, and there wasn't this crossover. And it turned out I was very, very incorrect, where you know some of the best players on the varsity team are going to be playing basketball for the first time this season because football just ended. So what was your experience? And then, Jim, I know you have some stuff. What was your experience with that kind of – waiting for players, it, how did it impact the early parts of your season? It was
3: uh, very challenging at times. Fort Bragg football yeah. uh, was for real. Jack Moyer and Roy Perkins yeah. did fantastic jobs there and would often go deep into the playoffs. Um, there were, I think, two different seasons that I didn't have kids for a month. I'm playing I'm playing yeah. six varsity games without uh, – those athletes, And in a smaller school, it's even more impactful potentially, or it certainly was for me. And kind of bring it back a little bit to the, the cut story. You know, there was uh, a couple times super early in my career, I let a couple kids go before football got there, thinking, oh, yeah, these guys are coming out, and they didn't come out. And now I was short, and, you know, it would have been extremely awkward to go back and ask them to come back out for the team after I had already cut them. Um, so I kind of learned my, my lesson from that one. And, and let us let everybody get there before, you know, the season for football is grueling and they're beat up, um, you know, and they're coming into, into camp. And just, it's a different kind of physical shape and all the, the different things that go with that. And I've had some kids that have chosen not to play because the season is so grueling and, baseball's you know just around the corner and I got to get ready for that so um, it, it, it's presented its challenges for sure and in, in, in many realms you
1: yeah, might my, my it's, it's funny because uh, Mender didn't have football majority of the years that I coached <clears throat> they had soccer and uh, the soccer season usually ended even if we did make a little bit of run in the playoffs usually I would get my basketball players um, before before it really impacted. (laughs) This is funny, Jer, especially when I know what what you do in Westland now with the facilities you guys have, you got gyms that can make three courts. You got an auxiliary gym where you got two more courts. You got the weight room to take some time off with, with the kids. Well, we only have one gym in Mendocino and the team that impacted my season the most was the girls volleyball team. Cause they were always deep into the playoffs and we would have to schedule girls varsity boys varsity girls jv boys jv and volleyball varsity and jv then volleyball going into the playoffs we just didn't have enough time in, in the gym it's <laughs> there was so so that's how the other sports affected me more than um, it, it was the gym time
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, we have an 8 to 9.30 practice slot, and nobody craves that one. I can guarantee you that. That's been one of the perks of cutting down to three teams practicing um, this season is uh, the late slot is done at at 8.30, not 9.30, which Mm. makes it um, much more pleasant for the kids and the coaches.
1: All right, Jerry. What else you got about coaching or, or uh, anything? I, I'm trying to think.
0: I I I didn't play any other sports really, so I, I don't remember that like it really having an impact on 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 me personally. The one story I remember with this, and, and Jim, this was one that you were involved in because you were coaching at the time. Uh, the one time I remember football impacting your, our our basketball oh, experience yeah. my freshman year. When right. uh, Mendo made a deep run into the football playoffs and we went to the Redwood Classic in Anderson Valley, me as a freshman with I think you might have had six of
1: six, 13 of, th- guys six of thirteen guys of thirteen that
0: would have been on that team. Right. And it was you had six plus like me and a couple other underclassmen and we went and played at the Redwood Classic for,
1: for that year. I had you and Willie Schmidt going to the Redwood Classic yeah. as as ninth and tenth graders. And with a couple soccer players and a couple baseball players, but, man, all the talented athletes, or a lot of the talented athletes that year were, um, that was Taylor Anderson and his group and Nick Rollins. You remember all them, Tim. They were all playing football yeah. in Mendo. And and yeah. I struggled without them on varsity basketball. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Huh.
0: Uh, 707-895-2448. Got about six. Minutes in change or the eight minutes in change left on the sports phone here talking to Tim Anderson, the Fort <clears throat> Bragg girls basketball coach. Um, so but hey, do you, you guys call,
1: call fouls in practice? Call. Oh interesting <laughs> you should say that. The question was, do you call fouls in practice? I I my high school coach, I'll take that a step further, Tim. We had no fouls called in practice and there was no out of bounds lines.
3: I play no out of bounds and no fouls and off a lot, but we just had our opponents score twenty one free throws on us yesterday. I think I might need to adjust that a little bit. I like that it instills some toughness. You got to be stronger with the ball, but you know when you kind of comes game time and you're used to hammering people and now you can't do it. Um, we we struggled a little bit with uh, being able to pull the reins back.
0: I, I think so. I have two answers to that. The, the first one to him to kind of relate to. Do we call fouls in practice? Uh, I, I love the varsity coach at Westland. I think he, he, he's an amazing basketball coach. He's the first coach I've ever seen coach without a whistle. Where instead of a whistle to to, to, to stop practice, he just says "stop" really loud. And so I've, that was a big change for me. Um, but to answer your question, uh, one of the assistants that's working with me a lot. Um, he kind of explained it of being on the line of knowing what fouls to not call in practice because it, it, it sets up the conversation really nicely. And it was something that we had, I think, at our last practice, actually, our last one or the one before, of, hey, you guys need to learn how to play through whistles. Let the coaches be the ones that get thrown out of the game. And it, I think it's, it's, that was kind of the way it was explained to me. or you, you obviously – do want to call fouls in practice but you do to a certain degree want to let stuff go to teach players like hey you have to play through bad officiating and and i i I thought that there was some value in that because i think there is a i think that is an important conversation to have with young players uh to to kind of say hey let the let the coaches deal with the officials you need to keep playing i i did
1: tim i i um when I played for that high school coach that had no out-of-bounds lines and no fouls were ever called in practice, um, that was his point. His point was that teaches you to continue to play even if you think you were fouled. So I'm actually going to go uh, agree with you, Tim, is, is it you've got to find a, a happy medium in there somewhere. Because right. I, I, I think, um, I mean, you just had a, what, a varsity girls game where, where your opponents had 21 free throws? They
0: made
1: twenty-one. Oh, Jeez,
0: that's a, that's impressive on its own.
1: How many was, did they, actually, they were pretty. They were pretty.
3: I don't know what their percentage was, but I bet it was seventy or higher. So they
1: they shot they shot around thirty free throws to, to uh, yeah. between twenty-five and thirty free throws. Wow. Yeah.
3: I don't use my my uh, whistle at practice either, Jerry. My oh, reasoning huh. was that I want in game time. I want them to be able to react to my voice uh, because I can't have a whistle at game time. And when I need to give directions, I want them plugged in that way.
1: Well, that goes both ways, and you also want them to respond to a whistle when a ref blows it. So, yep. So, sure. I, I never—that's I, the first I've heard of that one.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Oh, I like it. I like it. This is this is good stuff. This is this is a whole new world for me. They, like personally, that I get to swap coach. Coaching notes with you guys because I was as a player. I know. I was, I'm looking like forward to more and more
3: conversations outside. with you now that you stepped yeah. over to the
0: dark side. <laughs> I know. I've, I was always on the outside of those conversations when Jim, when you and Tim would be doing would, would be talking. I feel like I was an observer. Now I actually get to be part of these conversations, and it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, when when it's fantastic. I mean, it when it, it was weird for me. It was two against one. I Tim with the, when you were out feeding the pigs or whatever you were doing um, before you got on the line. I was talking to two twenty-nine-year-old coaches, Jerry and Matt Winslow, and, 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 I, and I was the one, you know. And um, I, it's jeez, I don't know what. Seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. If you got a coaching story, you could call in, and you've got about a minute and a half to tell it. If not, we're going to keep talking. Um. Um. Tim, you got any, any final words for us, and then we're gonna we're gonna shut down here.
3: <clears throat> Just looking forward to uh, some tournament time and the excitement that comes with that, and and uh, the kids are, are so excited, and the parents are so excited. I'm not I'm going to these games and not driving anybody. You know, parents haven't got to watch their kids play for two years um, either, so they're they're super excited to be to be a fan as well.
1: I remember, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go, Tim, but yep. um, I just want you to respond to this. I remember when Jer- after I coached Jerry for seven or eight years, and I thought I was going to quit, but I didn't. I stayed on. It was sort of nice being a coach and not being a parent at the same time. It was. Oh, I, it, I didn't have to drive. I didn't have to watch kids in the motels anymore. I had the parents do all that. Thanks, yep. for, thanks for the call, Tim.
0: Um, you bet. Thanks, Tim.
1: All right, chair. Um, that's going to wrap it up. I think. Go ahead.
0: All right, let's wrap it up. So we'll be back uh, next week with our first uh, Christmas or not? Well, I'm not going to say Christmas. Uh, December edition of the sports phone. I don't know why I, Christmas came to mind there. There's people. With, you know why it came up, Jim? There's people with Christmas lights up already across the street from me.
1: That's oh, that's right not there. that that that's yeah. not think, your think, thing. That's too early for you.
0: It's not yet. It's too early. It's too early. Uh, But, yeah, thank Matt Winslow for joining us earlier. Uh, Thanks to everyone that listened to the Sports Phone. Uh, We'll be back next week uh, for the first December edition of the show. Uh, And, Jim, it's always a pleasure. Uh, And I will have an update next week. We have our first game. It's not a game, but we have our first uh, outside competition we're playing against on Wednesday. So I'll be sure to uh, have an update for everyone on that. And until then, we'll talk to everybody next week.
1: I Thank you, Matt. Tim. It's always a pleasure. I'm glad you can join us now on Sunday nights. Thanks, everybody. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, KZYX Philo ninety point seven FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah ninety one point five FM, and Fort Bragg at eighty eight point one FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.